Hey there, you're listening to the Soul Survivor New South Wales podcast. Here is some great Bible teaching from our More Than a Song 2016 conference. Introducing Matt Destry speaking on the life of David. For more information, go to our website, soulsurvivornsw.org.au. Enjoy! Hey everyone, thanks so much. You can open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16 again. Second, second half of 1 Samuel 16. <laughs> Let me um, pray as we open the word together tonight. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the story that you've told, that the story for the story that you're telling. And Lord God, for the journey that each one of us are on. And Father, it's my prayer tonight that as we open your word, that you would confirm the word by sending your Holy Spirit tonight to continue to minister to hearts. Change us, Lord. Amen. Oh, man, this one's going to be tough. Um, All right. Thank you, worship team. (laughs) Okay. 1 Samuel 16, here we go. Um, Where we ended up yesterday is we had David who was out in the bush And he has been brought before the prophet Samuel who has now said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. They thought that Eliab was going to be the next king of Israel after the Lord had rejected Saul. Eliab wasn't the one even though he was tall and ravishing and looked beautiful and amazing and manly. The Lord said, no, it's not him. I've rejected him. The Lord does not see as man sees. Man sees with his eyes, but the Lord sees with his heart. And we said yesterday that you have been chosen by God and he's given you a job to do. He's chosen you. Doesn't matter how obscure you feel. Doesn't matter how useless you feel. Doesn't matter how many gifts you do or do not have. The presence of those gifts or the absence of those gifts is not the thing. The presence of the Lord is the thing in your life and in my life that will qualify you for everything that God has got for you to do. The presence of God is going to be everything for you as you move forward and as you walk with Jesus. And so we see at the end of 1 Samuel, or the end of the passage that we spoke about yesterday, um, it says in verse 13, that so Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Remember all his brothers were there, seven brothers who didn't get picked. Uh, David, the one who was out with the sheep, they didn't even think of him. He comes in, he's the one who gets picked. He's chosen, he's anointed in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Sometimes the little breaks in our Bible don't serve us very well because it is a new section of a new section of Scripture that comes after that. But it's crazy good if you read the two sections without reading the little gap. So it says, um, and the, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Do you see what the Bible's doing there? It's like there's this exchange. The, the 
the, the, the choice of God for David to be the next king of Israel is confirmed by the sending of his spirit. And at the very same time as the spirit descends upon David to anoint him for the task which he has to do, the spirit is lifted off, off Saul, also confirming that God has rejected him as being the king of Israel. That happens at the same time. So one is anointed, one is removed, and we see the spirit of God confirmed on David God's choice. Now, when you and I turn to the Lord, when we run to Him and we accept the Lord Jesus and we, and we run to Him and we say, God, I have nothing, as Tom so beautifully spoke to us about this morning, that's exactly what happens to us. The Holy Spirit descends, comes upon you and I, confirming God's choice of you and I and empowering you and I to serve Him and to do the work that he's called us to do. And so we have this interesting story where now David is, um, is, has, has received the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do the job of being the next king, but he's not yet coronated. He's not, he hasn't been um, brought into the kingdom. He's been told, this is your call, but he's not the king yet. What usually happens as soon as somebody is called in the Bible, as soon as somebody is anointed in the Bible, start thinking about other Bible stories when God starts to call someone and gives them a job to do. What happens next? Misery, craziness, testing, temptation, hard times. And everybody said, that's probably about right. Yay, yay, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. When Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, he comes out of the water, the Spirit descends upon David like a dove. The voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And what happens next? The Holy Spirit thrusts Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's what happened next after Jesus had received his call and said, yes, you are the Messiah. Pretty well, same, same, same happens here with the king, well, with, with this person who will become King David, with David the boy at this point in time. He goes from the paddock all the way into the palace. He goes from the wilderness into the world of the then king, Saul. So the evil spirit comes upon Saul. Saul's attendants say to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone. I don't know. Let's find a musician. Let's find someone who can play the harp. You know what you need, Saul? You need some music, man. You need a little bit of classical. You need a little bit of Enya on drugs. You need just a little bit of like chill zone in the palace and the Holy Spirit is going to come and yet that evil spirit that's on you is going to leave. That's what they think. Music therapy is what he needs. And so Saul says, yes, in verse 17, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So they're like, right, let's go and search all the land for the best musician. Let's go and search all the land for someone who can play the harp, someone who's got skills, someone who's got talent, someone who's going to be able to sit there with their big their big instrument and play so beautifully the harp in the palace and that evil spirit is going to leave. And so do you know what? That's what they, they, they start looking for someone who can play music. Now, I don't know how they knew that. I don't know how they knew that music did that kind of thing, but they knew. And you know what? It's true. Saul's attendants, they knew something about what was going on. So one of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse play, uh, Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. Ooh, that's interesting. You know when your friend says that? Oh, I know a guy. I know someone. 
I know. Yeah, yeah. This, I've got, a, I've got a guy. I've got, I've just got your guy. Yeah, yeah. He can play the harp. He's a brave man. He's a warrior. He speaks well. He's fine looking, and the Lord is with him. And all the ladies said, "Amen, amen." Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Harp skills. Brave man, warrior, speaks well, fine looking, and the Lord is with him. Do you know what? What's on your resume? I can tell you again, it does not matter what's on your resume. It didn't matter what David had as long as he had that last line there, the Lord is with him. You know, when the Lord is with you, that's like the trump card that trumps everything else in your life. Think about anyone who got called by God. Think about Moses. Uh, You know, Moses is there and God says, hey, Moses, the cry of Israel, they've been in captivity 430 years. They've been down there in, in Egypt and they have been slaving away, slaving away, slaving away. And their prayer has reached my ears. Their prayer has come to me, it's come, it's reached my ears, and now I want you to go down there and and set my people free. I want you to go down there and rescue them. And Moses is there, he's just seen the burning bush, he's taken off his shoes, and he's like, I can't speak. And God says, yeah, 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 I will be with you, trump card. It just goes down. No more complaining, no more arguing. I will be with you. It's the same that happens with Gideon. He says to Gideon, hey, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. He's hiding in a, he's hiding in a, in a wine press, threshing wheat. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. He comes and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, yeah, well, if, the, if God's like doing so many awesome things, why has all this happened to us? Every year, just like taxes, the Midianites come through and they slam us. They take all of our stuff away and they, they, they like completely, they rid us of anything good. It, where's the stories of God's salvation now, huh? 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 And, and then and the angel says to, says to um, Gideon, go in the strength that you have and save, and save your people from the Midianites. And he says, am I not sending you? It's the same thing. God says to Gideon, I will be with you. It's the one thing. What did Jesus say to his disciples when he was about to ascend to heaven? And the disciples were freaking out because their Lord and their master was about to leave them. Lo, he says, lo, L-O, lo. I will be with you until the very end of the age. God's trump card in your life and in mine. Every single time you go, yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but I don't have. Yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm not this enough or that enough or I do not have this or I do have blah, blah, blah. I'll be with you. The promise of his presence is over your life. It changes everything. It changes everything. David had all these good things. You know, he can play the harp. He's brave. He's a warrior. I mean, bear in mind, David's like young. Whoever, I reckon he's worded up this, this, this servant. He's kind of like loaded him up with, hey, say I'm a warrior. Say I'm brave. Say I'm all these things. He goes in and tells the king this. He speaks well. He's fine looking. The Lord is with him. And that's the main thing. So Saul sent the messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David. Where's David? He's with the sheep. Send me your son David who's with the sheep. Yeah, sounds like the perfect candidate to play harp for the king. I don't know. Sounds about right to me. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. 
David, I mean, how things can change, right? How things can change from one minute to the next. One minute you're out there looking after sheep wandering around in the Judean wilderness and the next minute you're standing there in your best clothes, standing there before the king of all of Israel with still that little bit of dirt on your face and the little bit of like sheep fluff just kind of caught in the back of your pants, you know, like just going, "Ah, I'm here to play the harp, I'm here for you King Saul and um, that evil spirit that's on you, yeah, we're going to try and do something about that. Sounds about right. So David came to Saul, entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. So David moves in to the palace. A few years ago, I was spearfishing um, up in the north um, of New South Wales, and I'm an like I'm an okay water sports person. I'm not amazing. I'm just like I'm a I'd be a an occasional recreational spear fisherman and it was late one afternoon and in the afternoons in this particular place the 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 sun started to go down and it's at about that time when you when you start thinking yeah okay I better get in all my mates who'd been spear fishing with me they'd already gone in and the sea started to get really choppy and swelly and rocky and then all like the water went from that beautiful crystal blue to like that really murky gray and it was about five o'clock in the afternoon and I was about to turn around and head in because I was the only one out and then I saw in front of me this school huge Huge school of shimmery, silvery, beautiful tailor fish, all of them about this big, about 200, 300 of them, all just glittering and glimmering and just like, woo, shoot me. You know, they were just like moving their way through. And I was like, man, there is so many of them. I don't even need to aim. I've just got to like fire off my spear into that huge, big, like ball of fish and I'm going to surely hit one. And I was about to pull the trigger on my spear gun and all of a sudden I see this big gray missile just moving its way through the middle of them. This is a big three and a half meter missile with like teeth that were just, that were already eating me. You know, they were just like right there. And I was like, oh no, it's getting choppy. It's getting churned up. I've lost all my visibility. All I could see were these huge shimmery fish and then this like giant kind of, you know, man eater moving through the middle of them. And I thought to myself, what do I do? The fish... And the shark, if I shoot one of the fish and it wiggles around, what happens if the shark gets excited? What if it smells blood? What if it knows that it was me? What if I, you know, what if I become the one, you know, if I become the food, not the fish that I'm about to shoot becomes the food? And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. You know, so, so, so I, I, I didn't shoot at the shark. I shot at one of the fish next to the shark and it kind of winged it. And the fish went crazy and I thought, that's it, I am out of here. So I turned and started, you know, none of this like peaceful, peaceful swimming. I was like freestyle, thorpy with a mask. I was like, I never swum so fast in my life. I looked up and saw all my friends on the cliff and said, there's a shark in the water. And they're like, get out. I'm like, I know. So I'm swimming, swimming, swimming. And then this huge set comes through and picks me up and jams me onto the rocks and pushes me up against a cliff and holds me down just like they did when they were baptizing someone in my Baptist church growing up in the name of the Father, (laughs) Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptize you. (sighs) 
coming up out of the water, I thought to myself, man, they must be actually trying to kill someone and then revive them when they come back out of the water. It's not just baptism. It's like fully real life, you know, death into life again. You know, they were just going to test God like that every single time. But that's how I got baptized in the ocean that day. And I was held down and down and down. I finally came up. Spear gun, gone. Flippers, gone. Like wetsuit that was my mate's wrecked, like completely torn up. I crashed his bike on that same trip, his motorbike on that same trip. He doesn't let me anything anymore. And so, and I came out of the water and I was just so glad to be on rocky, oystery, dry land or kind of wetland, but just not in the water with that thing. Now David has moved from the paddock, the place where he knew, way into the palace. And now, you know, he is really, really, really swimming with the sharks. I mean, he's been anointed king of Israel and he's gone from the place where he knew way into this new place that is unfamiliar. It's new territory. He's never been there before. And how many know if you're going to be live and you're going to live called by God, you are going to find yourself in those places time and time again. Swimming with the sharks. And the only thing that you have is the knowledge that God is with you. Because in that moment, it doesn't matter how many credentials you've got. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. I mean, do you think it was going to be like playing on the harp that actually released Saul from this demon that was on him? Do you think it's like someone just can kind of rock up with the decks and drop the beat and all of a sudden the angel, the, 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 the demon disappears? No. There's something spiritual about David's playing. It's something about the presence of God on David's life. It's something about the Holy Spirit that's descended upon him, empowering him to do what, everything that he can do that makes the difference. Saul sent word to Jesse saying, verse 22, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. Now it's crazy because we've heard from God. We've heard God say to Samuel, hey, Samuel, this is the one. He's the boy. He's been out in the bush and now here he is. Arise and anoint him for he's the one. So that's confirmation number one. He gets spoken to him by the prophet Samuel, which is as good as the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in power. Confirmation number two. We've had the servants say he's fine looking. He's good. And the Holy Spirit, the, the Lord is with him. And now Saul himself, the king who David will one day replace, is now saying, I'm very pleased with this young man. Eventually, eventually a time will come when that confirmation will come from the words of the people that you very, very least expect it. Imagine what David's doing. He's walking into the palace knowing that he's been anointed to be the next king of Israel. He's walking in going, hmm, going to change that wall over there. I don't like those pot plants at all. Put them in my harp room, you know, like he's just kind of, he's, he's, he's walked into the place that he will one day inherit, but it's not yet his to own. It's like he's living in a mirage, in a dream of something that's ahead. And then we're told in verse 23, whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play, then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. I'll tell you what, there's something about worship that can change the atmosphere in a place. There's something about the power of someone who can play with their heart under the power of the Holy Spirit that can change the atmosphere in a place. Do you know your worship can change the place where you go to school? 
Your worship can change the place where you go to work. Your worship can change the atmosphere in your bedroom. When the Lord is with you and you begin to lift up your voice, a sound of praise to God. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. I mean, Saul is a bad, bad, bad man. Let's be honest. He's been rejected by God as king. He's not really in the good books with the Lord at this point in time. He's been rejected from, the Lord has removed the Holy Spirit off of Saul's life. And yet David, bless him, because he was called by God, went and served him anyway. Went and served the one whom he would replace anyway. You see, there is a call on your life and on mine as followers of Jesus to serve people regardless of what we think is going on for them. Regardless of whether we think they're good, bad or ugly or indifferent, the call on your life and on mine is to go and serve them with what we have. Serve them with the presence of God that's in us. Serve them with the love and the life that God's deposited in our lives and give it to them regardless of where we think they are or what's going on for them whether we think they're holy or not holy, righteous or unrighteous, your call is to serve them with the shovel, serve them with the guitar, regardless of what's going on for them. Jesus said that's what leadership in the kingdom is all about. It's what leadership in the kingdom is all about. So we're caught in these two worlds, aren't we? We're caught because he's here to serve this man who really is, is on a downhill path and fast with this evil spirit that's coming upon him. Yet David, with his harp, with his worship, with the presence of the Lord is there to play and to sing and to alleviate that pain, to alleviate that suffering and to bring peace in the midst of chaos. Do you know that you are God's gift to this hurt and dying world. You are God's gift. He's chosen you to be peace in the midst of chaos. He's chosen you to be love in the midst of hatred. He's chosen you to bring life where there's only death and light where there's only darkness. That's the call on your life. It's the mantle over you. It's the word, the banner that sits over the top of your life as a follower of Jesus. And the thing that's going to qualify you for that is the presence of the Lord. Nothing else. Please let's not get hung up on what gifts we have or not or who we think we are or we're not or any of that stuff. The whole point so far that, we've, that we're learning in 1 Samuel is that God doesn't see us as our eyes see. He sees with his heart. And he chooses you precisely because you can't do something, not because you can what if the thing that you thought eliminated you was the thing that qualified you? And so we move on from here, but a couple of things that 1 Samuel 16 has already established. One is that the presence of the Lord makes all the difference. And two, David hasn't even been an active player yet. We haven't heard David speak 
David has been a passive player in this entire story. He's just come and he's just told us, that he's just been told what to do. David, come here from the field. Oh, okay. David, you're going to be the next king. Oh, okay. David, here's the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. Hey, David, now go to the palace. Um, okay. Hey, David, can you play the harp for Saul because he's got, he's got, a, he's got an evil spirit problem? Oh, okay. I'll do that too. And we have not yet heard him speak. The Lord sees with his heart and he will use you if you allow him to and you're obedient to him. I think in this world of go-getters and doers, sometimes what the Lord wants is an obedient heart, a surrendered heart. A broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. Someone who trembles at his word. Someone who lives dependent upon the presence of the Spirit of God. That, I think, is what can advance the kingdom. So... Why don't we stand together? Um, I'm going to read a scripture, a couple more scriptures over us tonight before we head into prayer. I feel like the, the Lord wants to do a whole bunch of different things. He wants to keep doing stuff. I mean, tonight... Uh, we sometimes launch out and think, oh, we're going to do all these amazing things for God. And, you know, and I certainly want to be someone who, who is used of God and, and does amazing things for God. And I think David, too, wanted to do amazing things for God. I mean, I think deep down in his heart, I think even though David was the eighth born son, you know, like imagine Jesse, he's got eight sons. Are we, I, I found out that the probability of that is one in 254 to be able to, that's the probability of having eight sons in a row. David's the eighth one. You know, like, surely they thought they were going to have a daughter somewhere along the line. Maybe it was the daughter they never had, you know. I'm not sure. But they just kind of left him out in the bush to look after a few sheep. And I think deep down, David, he had this heart. The presence of the Lord was with him. And he knew that he wanted to be used by God. But God says in Isaiah 66, Heaven's my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build me? Hey, guys, I built the heavens. I built the earth. I live everywhere and I just rest my little feet on the earth whenever I want to. So what kind of significant impact do you think you're going to have? What kind of house do you think you're going to build me? Something really, really significant and amazing and beautiful. Well, do you, you think you're going to build me a resting place? Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord? This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. I think tonight Lord's calling us to be, to posture ourselves as those kind of people.
So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, you indeed have made the heavens and the earth. You set the sun and moon in their place. The stars, you know them all by name. Yet you see every single heart here, every hair on every head. So great and so intimate are you. We acknowledge your presence here with us tonight. We acknowledge your kindness and your mercy that's present. And Lord, we come in humility, in contrition, trembling at your word. Speak to us again, we pray. And come, Holy Spirit.